Scott, I have an incredible movie pitch for you. It's Steampunk Cowboys. I'm, I'm in for it. With a giant mechanical spider. And I have some notes. Welcome to I Have Some Notes, the show where we take movies with some mechanical spiders and turn them into movies with the most giant mechanical spiders. Uh, I am Liam Kreswick. I'm Greg Beaver. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. We are a member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. And uh, our movie today is the uh, 1999 film Wild Wild West, starring the one and only uh, Will Smith. This was at the dawn of the Willennium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. When did the William close out? Felt like it, it felt like it didn't last. <laughs> a thousand it certainly years. didn't last a thousand years. <laughs> I feel I feel like his claim to calling it the Millennium ended when this movie closed production. Uh, <laughs> Most likely, he's riding high on Men in Black from '97, and uh, yeah. yeah, how could this go wrong? Barry Sonnenfeld, Will, Will Smith, it's gonna be great. Yeah, he famously turned down uh, a prominent role in The Matrix. To appear in Wild Wild West. Any guesses what prominent role in The Matrix he turned down to be Jim West in this movie? Cypher. Wrong. <laughs> uh, um, the, the, Trinity. No, the. Uh, why are all the characters from Magic escaping me now? Um, not Neo, the other one. Morpheus? Morpheus, there we go. You're still wrong. It was Neo. He turned oh, down Neo. He would have been Keanu Reeves yeah. in that movie. I don't know why I couldn't pull any Morpheus out of my ass, but okay. uh, but he thought the Wild Wild West was the better project, and so he signed up for that. Oh, uh, I mean, mistake! Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Will Smith, um, top of the top build actor in this film? Question mark. Uh, yeah, Will Smith, uh, Kevin Klein, Kenneth uh, Branagh, Selma Hayek, and Ted Levine were all of the stars. Uh, I just want to right out the gate mention. This movie has an embarrassment of riches yeah. in its cast. Like, on paper, this is a phenomenal cast of, of actors. Same with the premise. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. this had everything going for it. it they, were playing, <laughs> they were playing T-ball with a guaranteed home run, and somehow they fouled it out. <laughs> like, you know this T-ball game needs more sexism and racism. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was. Uh, this was definitely uh, uh, quite quite the thing to sit through. I, I had very. Fu- I, w- I would have been thirteen when this came out, and I feel like all the things that would have been wrong with it went right over my head. And upon viewing it twenty years later, uh, whew, whew. but we'll we'll get into that. Uh, let's. Uh, we'll first talk a little bit about you know what it is. Like I said, uh, um, Will Smith and Kevin Klein, the two stars. It was directed by Barry Sonnenfeld, uh, produced by a fellow named John Peters. And Barry Sonnenfeld, uh, I believe uh, John Peters' production of this is relevant uh, to discussing uh, anything related to this film. Uh, it made uh, 113 million domestically and 108 million overseas for a worldwide total of 222 million against a production budget of 170. So it did make its money back. Mm, probably not with the advertising budget. No. On top of that, probably was kind of a flop. Yeah. Although, again, this was in the DVD era, so DVD sales usually punched up those movies. Yeah, I also remember seeing it, seeing it on TV a lot in, yeah, the, oh in yeah. the 2000s. It's probably because syndication rates for it were cheap because they yeah. were trying to make their money back. Sure, yeah. yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. In fact, uh, in looking up some uh, interesting facts about this movie, one that tickled me to no end, uh, uh, one of, the, one of the, the notes I found is there is a, a much uh, uh, joked about and uh, theorized reason that a lot of the f- opening weekend ticket sales for this movie were just unaccompanied minors buying something that, so they could sneak into either South Park, Bigger, Longer, Uncut, or American Pie. <laughs> so, this, so less people might have actually seen this movie than yeah. what the box office would indicate. <laughs> we can we can take maybe 10% off this movie and give it to <laughs> South Park and American Pie. Yeah. Uh, both arguably better movies. Oh, wildly this. better movies. Yeah. 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 
I'd say probably any American Pie movie is better than this movie. Uh, uh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> are there a lot a of bold, direct-to-video Yeah, ones? that is a bold yeah. claim. I mean, just, when, I, when, when Eugene... That I don't when, have to back up, so. <laughs> When Eugene Levy suddenly became the star. Yeah, <laughs> because none of the other actors were involved. Hey, Eugene Levy's got to eat. Yeah. He's, get, he's got a Dan Levy to raise to turn into modern Dan Levy. Yeah. Well, and yeah, this, this, those are obviously two much better comedies uh, than this uh, quote-unquote action comedy. And another detail I quite like uh, was apparently this movie underwent many costly reshoots uh, in an attempt to inject some humor after it was found that test audiences weren't sure if it was supposed to be a comedy. And I was like, so there is a cut of this movie with less jokes in it. And less funny. I did. I did notice that there was a lot of um, um, uh, voiceover, like uh, like a lot of people saying things off camera, uh, and it was all jokes. So there was clearly a punch up writer was working overtime on it. So I didn't had, help. Yeah, I had heard that they uh, sent a script to the original actor from the from the TV show. This is based on a TV show. Yeah, um, who played Jim West in the original TV show? Robert because, Conrad. Yeah, because they were they were interested in him maybe like cameoing in it or something, and he like threw the script back in their faces and was like, "This is total garbage. Yeah. It is an insult to the original TV show and to the and to my fellow actors who were in it, mm-hmm. and wanted nothing to do with." It. He disowned it. Like, ouch, yikes. I feel wow. like he made the right call. He actually did. He owned a certain part of it, and I love him for this. Uh, so this was up. Uh, this was the for the 20th annual Razzie Awards. Uh, this one was nominated for eight and won five, including Worst Picture uh, and Worst Song, uh, Wild Wild West, uh, the, the, the uh, titular um, uh, hip-hop track that accompanied it by uh, uh, Big Willie himself. Um, but... Who do you think accepted all of those awards on behalf of the film, but one Robert Conrad, Conrad, the original James West in the 1960s television production, like out of spite, he was like, I will happily take these. I will be the one to, which I, such a, what a wonderful, spiteful detail uh, that, that I. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. And then also the, the thing that I, I always think of when I think of this film, I don't know if you guys are big, I, I really cut my teeth on, on, uh, you know, being a movie fan from, from loving Kevin Smith films and in his uh, uh, one of his earliest sort of DVD talks that he did when you yeah. go around and do those things he tells a story about uh, meeting with John Peters and uh, wanting I'm sure, are you guys familiar with this story the, yeah the Superman, Superman lives, Superman lives yeah. story that's that seems to be the most interesting thing about this movie was yeah it was the, uh, that, Superman lives yeah the giant spider was meant to fight Superman yeah. and never quite made it yeah uh, John so, Peters couldn't fit it into a Superman movie so J- John Peters just Make your giant spider movie, man. Yeah, man. Just get someone to make a movie about giant spiders. It's what you want. D- you're a Hollywood producer. Make it happen. <laughs> Come yeah. on. And he did. Uh, and uh, I actually think this is as good a time as any for the old uh, trailer train to leave the station as we choo-choo chug on into this trailer. Before there was a secret service. Before there was a CIA. Before there was an FBI. There was West. Jim West. But behind every great man is a beautiful woman. Stay out of my way, lady! Lady, I'm a U.S. Marshal! Now what? Will Smith. You're not the master of disguise that you think you are. You look nasty, just but ugly. Kevin Klein. The colleagues are on the net. Seem to contain powerful magnets. When you tell this story to your grandkids, you make sure you leave this part out. Kenneth Branagh and Selma Hayek. The director of Men in Black. We have, we have intelligence, we have a sense of purpose. What does Lovelace have? He has an 80-foot tarantula. Jim West. Desperado. Rough Rider. No, you don't want to. Nada. None of this. Gun in this. Brother running this. Buffalo Soldier. Look, it's like I told you, any damsel that's in distress be out of that dress when she meet Jim West. Roughneck, so go check the law and abide. Watch your step with flex and get a hole in your side. Swallow your pride. Don't let your lip react. You don't want to see my hand where my hip be at. With all this, from the start of this, with Artemis, James West, Tame in the West, so remember the name. Now who you gonna call? Not the GBs. Now who you gonna call? If you have a riff with people wanna bust, break out before you get bum-rushed, at the wild, wild west. When I roll into the wild, wild west. When I stroll into the wild, wild west. When I bounce into the wild, wild west. 
Cisco. Cisco. I think that about clears it up. What yeah. this movie is all about. Yeah. Right? Checks out. <laughs> Can we open this up by tackling the um, problematic bits yeah. about this movie? I, mean, I feel like that has to be addressed first. Yeah. Because I like le- many 90s movies that when you go back and, and watch them, there's a, a, a certain level of misogyny, mm-hmm. um, perhaps casual racism. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one dials it up to probably about a 10, I would say. There is a scene in which uh, Will Smith is um, jokingly put into the situation where he is um, being faced with a lynch mob yep. who are about to hang him in in a movie that's set in the slavery era. Yeah. <laughs> or just post-slavery just, just era. like, <laughs> too soon. <you> know? like, <laughs> yeah. It uh, it was uh, it was not a good look. Uh, and, he's also, a good... and he's also and he's also defending himself against the people who are going to hang him for having molested a woman, basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, and is trying to brush that off as as no big deal. Uh, so yeah, that's just that scene is just like pure cringe. <laughs> it was it was all, I have I have some thoughts on that scene beyond the obvious as well that I, I had a real problem with. But the thing I I, I noticed throughout this. I would actually say the uh, it, it, this guilt movie is guilty of uh, sexism, ableism, and racism, and manages to be like the racism is the third lead. Like <laughs> it managed to be more sexist and ableist than it is racist, and well, it is very racist. And the the reason for that, I think, is because the racism is a little front center because of the villain. Yeah, he's he's. Uh, confederate southerner he's he is a racist and he's racist to jim west who is a black man and so like that's that's a part of his villainy the racism is not being like brushed off it's being presented as something that is bad and wrong and you should hate loveless for being a racist Mm The sexism and the ableism, on the other hand, are just things to laugh about. <laughs> yeah. And also, there's a lot of jokes that are a little homophobic. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that's also, like, two guys who are into each other. Lol. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, I think that's why they rate a little higher on the who. Yeah. <laughs> it's like... Because because the racism isn't is being presented like, as a problem. Yeah. And everything else is just a funny joke, guys. Hey. Yeah. And the, the other scene that I kind of was like, eh... Um, when um, the Confederate army gets gunned down by uh, Artemis's um, big mechanical tank, Lovelesses. Sorry, Lovelesses. Yeah, uh, Artemis Gordon was the artificer who uh, ran alongside James West. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't know. <Yeah. laughs> the uh, the the when we see like the field of um uh, the of dead Confederate, Confederate soldiers. soldiers the the music gets real sad and there's kind of like a lilt of like the you know the american theme in there and and uh will smith is looking sad and i was kind of like nah they're all racist fuck them yeah. <laughs> i don't care yeah i i don't know that i had quite that knee jerk reaction but i also thought it was like the musical cue for this is really weird cuz it's presenting these avowed villains who were trying to restart the civil war as aw shucks isn't it a shame that they got betrayed by a worse guy yeah yeah no they're kind of jerks <laughs> yeah <laughs> Ugh, yeah <laughs> general bloodbath mcgrath is not someone we should be shedding a tear over yeah. even if he's played by buffalo bill mm-hmm. yeah yeah, this I'm uh, again. I, I couldn't pull the name Morpheus. Uh, now I can't remember the name of uh, Princess Leia's planet. But this that scene had the, the all Alderaan the air, had the air of like, oh, look at the the Death Star displaying its power on Alderaan. If Alderaan was full of Confederate soldiers, <laughs> <laughs> like, like we're not, there's no sympathy. <laughs> uh, also, and I mean, the tank is going to come up again because it's like, oh, he's invented a tank and it's a terrible super weapon, and we never see or yeah. hear from it again. <laughs> Yeah, because you gotta get that giant that mechanical giant spider, spider in there. Yeah, don't worry. That's the tanks are going to come back up in my uh, fix for this movie. Don't worry. The other, the other major, major problem with this movie is that uh, uh, as a comedy, it utterly fails. It's it completely, completely flat. Um, aside from all cringing aside, like there, there really is very few moments of of genuine 
hilarity, if any. I would love to see someone attempt to remake a better version of this movie, and that person would be Edgar Wright. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's because I feel like there was a lot of opportunity for them to do some really fun visual jokes in this movie that they did not do or they did poorly. Uh, I think that there's a lot of really snappy comedy that they could have done in this movie that they did not do or did very poorly. Oh, not every conceivable amputee joke uh, <laughs> uh, written on a list and then spread out through the pages evenly was not comedy enough for no, you? No, apparently not. <laughs> Even the, like the the goofy, wacky, um, steampunky invention things, like they weren't they they didn't feel as fun to me as they as they probably should have. And like I don't feel like um, Artemis's like contraption train was really well set up or whatever. And none like, of his no contraptions were contraptions well were well set up. Yeah, yeah. and and it was like and they didn't seem to serve any purpose. Like what what was the purpose of a chair that went underneath the train? A, a very bad visual joke that did not pay that did yeah. not work very well. Yeah. In fact, I, and I, I I'm gonna get this. I, it's just I'm burning to say it. The only one that gets any sort of meaningful setup is the elastic rope. And the whole scene setting it up is the aforementioned lynching scene. Right. That's the only oh, one that is boy. given any sort of foreshadowing, any sort of... Yeah, for the most part, um, they'll, they'll like queue up one of his inventions the scene before it's used yeah. so it's it's they're not Chekhov's gunning anything yeah they're just pulling out guns and shooting them they're not putting it on the wall to let us think about it for a while yeah. the the one <clears throat> contraption scene I think I, that I can say was okay was the the magnetic collar scene when they're trapped mm -hmm. uh, in uh, I don't know I guess it's the desert or in the middle of the, the old west yeah. like that was kind of like some genuine, I guess, fun. Although like, there was a homophobic joke in there somewhere, I think. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. <laughs> okay. Couldn't go the whole thing without yeah. doing something offensive. But like, yeah, I, I, that's the one. That's the one. Uh, like it was. It was kind of set up because you saw those magnetic things in the in the cold open, mm -hmm. uh, the magnetic collars, and um, you know there was some, I guess, some decent physical comedy there. Yeah. Yeah. Half decent, yeah. yeah. Well, that's all the get like all the gizmos. Pretty much anything interesting in this movie. That's what I said off the hop is it had so much going for it, and they just introduce you these fit like these great concepts. Like on paper, if someone was like, "This movie has this," this movie has that, I'd be like, "Great," but they just show it up with no explanation, right up to the guy's head as a projector, and it's like, yeah, it's the head of the guy that got its his head cut off in the cold open, but how did Gordon get it? Yeah. Why does he have it? Yeah. Why is it on this mount being projected? Why, like, there's just everything is presented of, like, it's funny and wacky, so just accept that it's on screen now. Like, yeah. Yeah, actually, the that scene, the the, the glasses bit, when, the, when the, the, yeah. the image that was coming out of his eyes was blurry and he put the glasses on, that was a kind of a clever scene. But, yeah, yeah you're right, like, because it doesn't have... Uh, any um, proper context to it, yeah, um, yeah th it just doesn't just doesn't work. And I really, really dislike the whole opening um, wacky adventure that where uh, Will Smith and 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 Kevin Klein have their have their meet cute or whatever yeah, you want to call cute. it. You know, they were nominated for a Razzie for worst couple, uh, worst <laughs> on screen couple. Uh. I I like the cold open. I just it wasn't executed on very well. Um, I guess I was, what, did you, what did you like about this movie? Yeah. Oh, I was just going to mention one other thing that I didn't like oh, about sure. this movie, which is that Selma Hayek is criminally underused oh, yeah. uh, in this movie. And in, again, a movie that has an embarrassment of riches mm -hmm. in its casting. Like, you've got some really solid, good actors in this film. And Kevin Klein is misused, and Kenneth Branagh is misused, and Selma Hayek is in like four scenes. Yeah. And doesn't do anything except be eye candy. I, I found her character completely baffling. Yeah, like, like she, I, I, like it felt like they're trying to play it up as at first as if she is um, smarter than she appears because she's in the in like the whorehouse or whatever. Yeah, and and you kind of get a sense of like, okay, she's 
she's here under false pretenses. She's doing her own research or something like that or, or whatever. And she kind of is, but like there's no payoff to, excuse me, there's no payoff to her being in that or, or, or be, being a uh, there as like some sort of spy or something like yeah. that. She's then just promptly captured again. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and then the movie is over. Yeah. And then when she meets like Will Smith and, and uh, Artemis, like it's, it's so, she's so enamored with them to the point where she just feels like, like, like you say, just like arm candy. Yep, and 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 you're like, what is the point of this character again? Like, is, is, and and like, there's there's no payoff to her finding her father either. Yeah. It's just like it. It's literally, hey, I found my father. Oh, by the way, he's my husband. Yeah. Big reveal. Uh huh. Twist. Twist. <laughs> Observation. This structurally is a James Bond movie. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like, beat for beat, this is. Like a Pierce Brosnan James Bond movie, yeah. you've got your your hero gets tipped off that something weird's going on. They investigate it and find a henchman. The henchman is revealed to be working for someone else. Uh, the heroes go and meet up with that someone else, tipping off that someone else that someone's investigating them. That that someone else being the mastermind. The mastermind then lures the heroes into a into a convoluted death trap that they get out of. Uh, there's a Bond girl. Who needs rescuing? It all gets built up to where the mastermind reveals his doomsday machine. There's a fight at the doomsday machine. The villain probably falls down something and dies. And then the hero gets the girl, except twist, the hero doesn't get the girl. It's a James Bond movie. Yeah. Except that James Bond is two characters. Yeah. Sure. In this this movie. It's a James Bond buddy comedy. Yeah, yes, because Will Smith is James Bond's swagger and confidence, and Kevin Klein is James Bond's ingenuity and love of gadgets. Mm-hmm. If all his gadgets were dumb and useless. So James Bond in the 90s. <laughs> okay. and, and, Q, and Q never has a fun scene where he sets it up and then it pays off later. It's yeah. just set up every, yeah, like you said, the scene before. Oh, by the way, there's another, that's another reveal that has no payoff. Like the, the, the guy who's on the train who's, who's an agent. Or whatever, and it's like I'm an agent, and I'm like, uh, yes, great. What does <laughs> that, for what the does that mean? What does that mean? <laughs> yeah, he actually he, he goes, actually, guys, I'm an agent, but I draw the line at flying. So bye. Yeah. It's like <laughs> <laughs> I'm off to retire. See ya. Yeah, and, and we never see him again. <laughs> Much like the tank. Yeah, we don't. Yep. <laughs> God. Oh man. Much Was... like the tank. At least we see the spider again at the end of the yeah. movie. Which, by the way, if I was making a direct sequel of this movie, they would still have that spider, and it would be paid off in the third act. (laughs) Like, someone would be like, we need a doomsday machine, and Will Smith and Kevin Klein would look at each other and go, a doomsday machine, you say? And then it would smash cut to them driving a giant spider to the fight. (laughs) Was there anything you liked about this movie? The giant spider. The giant spider was great. It's, it's dumb and it's goofy in the best way. Like, it is a great steampunk set piece for the final battle. It actually doesn't look that bad either. No, it looked, no. It looked good. Looked good fighting on it. The the uh, geography of it made sense. Yeah. yeah. Like, like falling down in the chamber below, like going the, to the top deck. The logic of it doesn't make sense in the film, but as a set piece, sure. It, the, it works. I like it. The, re- the reveal of, like... Uh, when they uh, Will Smith and Kevin Klein get past the uh, the contraption or whatever the the magnetic contraptions and they and they go find um, the villain like there's like this moment where they look over the hill and they see this giant mechanical city and you're like oh cool they're going to a giant mechanical city and then uh then the spider shows up and you're just, and then they're enamored with the with this big giant spider passing them by and I'm kind of like still going. But I want to see the the crazy mechanical Western city, <laughs> which you do get to see. But they they kind of shoot the spider wad a little too quickly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I liked President Grant yep. in the movie as a character. I thought he was funny and fun. Uh, I liked that they uh, had some fun casting Kevin Klein as Grant and as Artemis, so that Artemis could impersonate Grant. Yeah. Uh, that was that was a neat little shtick, and I wish they had done more with that in the climax. Mm-hmm. Uh, and played up his master of disguise attributes and maybe had him more successfully play President Grant in that moment and actually pull the wool over Loveless's eyes. I think that would have been cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, it only kind of works as like a momentary distraction. Yeah. Yeah. Like for a second. Like everything else in this movie, it's a momentary distraction. Yeah. I uh, In terms of keeps, yeah, I, I did like the scene where, where he was on the ropes underneath the train and he was like, like he had the elastic rope bouncing like that just mechanically. See, it was a really fun scene. I liked, mm-hmm. I mean, we needed a dumb, the, the bottom flips out of the train to get there, but him, you know, him on his back, kind of yo-yoing back and yo-yoing forth. back and forth yeah. was, I'd keep that. I think that was a good, that's, a, that's a very narrow slice of the movie. <laughs> There's one. And you, and you cut a piece, the main piece of it out too. <laughs> There's, there's one part of the party scene that I do like, and that is Will Smith mistaking a woman for Artemis because yeah. she's dressed similar to he was at the beginning. Yeah. And I thought that was genuinely clever. Yeah. It was very clumsily implemented, and it leads to a terrible and problematic scene. <laughs> but in the concept of it, I thought was quite funny with him actually mistaking someone else for Artemis for like part of the party. Yeah. I think the I think the um, the idea of the men in the painting scene when they ambush Will Smith at that same party I think the idea of that was kind of cool it wasn't I don't think it was executed particularly well it is kind of set up a little bit though because the band is playing in a fake painting so clearly Loveless Loveless has this thing for like, right. live paintings. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And it could, I think it could be a lot of fun, but it, I don't think that that whole scene wasn't shot very well. No, goodness no. <laughs> and it was, yeah, and it spent most of its time, you know, uh, leering at Biling and kind of, yeah, didn't uh, didn't have the attention probably where it should have been. I like the cast. Like yeah. again, on paper, this cast is stellar, and it's mind-boggling they got this group of people together to make a movie, and it's mind-boggling they so badly mishandled them. Um. They, it should be impossible for you to make uh, Will Smith and Kevin Klein and Selma Hayek and Kenneth Branagh have no chemistry together yeah. Yeah. and make a really flat film. And yet here we are. Yeah. And I think the tragedy is I feel like there's the kernel of a good movie here. It was just really badly executed in every every way. And it. In every way, in that like every scene, like you're saying, where it's it's the idea is really good. You just did it bad. Yeah. Like every scene <laughs> like is like from 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 the pitch on down, the cast, the <laughs> script, the the shooting, everything. It's like you had a good idea and you screwed it up. Every by the way, uh, cool, every you know. <laughs> by the way, uh, you had a good idea. You just did it bad. Could be the name of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a, it was a genuinely I think infuriating movie to to watch and and I often find that like when we're doing these movies like I I, I kind of I'm kind of in the back of my head I'm 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 just rooting for me- mediocrity right and like and when it when it falls beneath that it becomes a much more uh, miserable and trying experience because then you're also uh, in the back of your head you're like oh I gotta come up with a way of of rejigging this horrible piece of crap to <laughs> to be this, something better this movie has to have been edited to hell right because yeah. it feels like there's chunks of it missing there were there were things that did not make sense there were th- characters that disappeared there were uh shots that didn't quite line up with other shots. And I know you were mentioning there were reshoots too. Um, It feels like it was kind of poorly edited to a certain extent. Like at one point, Will Smith is fighting the cyborgs in the guts of the, of the giant spider. And one of them is like titanium man. He can't be beat. And he backs Will Smith up to like the edge of the spider. And Will Smith is like, I'm sorry, man. And hands him the giant wrench and he lifts up the wrench and then he just dies. Yeah. It's like, what happened? Did he get electrocuted yeah. by something? Oh shit, you're right. Yeah, I, like, was, something's, I was thoroughly bad. Something's by missing. That. One of uh one of Lovelace's henchwomen just disappears. Like Artemis is fighting them and then she's just gone. I presume she fell off the side of the spider, but she's just not there anymore. And it's just like, we forgot someone, guys. We <laughs> left her behind. Like, what's going on? Like the and that just really underscored to me that there was stuff missing from this movie that was important stuff. Yeah. Or, th- or like I was saying earlier, things presented with no context. Yeah. Like there must've been a scene where Gordon found the head, strapped it to an or- orrery, 
put a projector screen through it. And, yeah. yeah. Or, or in that fight, they must have at one point had a cut where they set up that there were electrical wires hanging down by that door and then dude electrocutes himself on them. But we don't see that. He just mysteriously dies all of a sudden. Why? <laughs> what is happening? Movie, come on. Yeah. Make some sense. God damn it. Well, with that, I guess we yeah. should probably try and <laughs> move on to the most difficult part of this podcast. Yeah. This episode of I Have Some Notes is brought to you by Unit B Coworking. Unit B is a multi-company co-working space focused on helping people pursue their passions and make Edmonton its creative best. Join a tight-knit group of freelancers, startups, and established organizations, all dedicated to getting things done. Besides desks and offices, Unit B offers members access to its podcasting studio and meeting spaces, as well as a kitchen, Wi-Fi, and all the usual amenities. It's located in the historic McKinney Building on 104th Street, close to everything downtown, including the Bay LRT station. Book a tour today at unitb.ca. This episode has been brought to you by the Edmonton Community Foundation. The foundation acts as a bridge between donors and charities to create a strong, vibrant community for generations to come. You can start an endowment fund for yourself or with a group. Once it reaches $10,000, it can start distributing funds. Vital Signs is an annual checkup conducted by the Edmonton Community Foundation in partnership with Edmonton Social Planning Council to measure how the community is doing. This year's focus is on five topics. Women, sexual orientation and gender identity in Edmonton, visible minority women, and senior women. Learn more at ecfoundation.org. Welcome back to I Have Some Notes. We are discussing the uh, 1999 film Wild Wild West. Uh, they, we've really unpacked all of the problems with it. Uh, I don't think we really did. <laughs> no, we didn't. No. We skimmed over it. <laughs> we, we just got the... There's so much wrong. We need another couple of hours. Yeah, to really uh, dissect this uh, this mechanical spider here. A true autopsy of this movie would take longer than the movie. Yeah. yeah, but we are going to somehow in the next 20 minutes fix it. Yeah. Probably? Question, Question mark? mark? Yeah. I think we can, because like we said, there is so much going for this movie that you just... In concept. In concept, that it would just take... I mean, maybe hindsight. Maybe that is... This is... Yeah. Uh, I'm going to pitch that we start by taking Edgar Wright and sending him back in time and making him the director of this movie. Because again, I I would love to see what his style of filmmaking would bring to like a wacky steampunk action adventure. Yeah, his real kinetic smash cut style, I think, would probably serve the, the subject matter quite well. Agreed. Edgar Wright, obviously, you're a big fan of our podcast make remake wild wild west unless you're making something certifiably awesome right now then continue well, doing do that. that first finish that and then make a steampunk cowboy movie we're there for it yeah opening day Indeed. but that's not really a feasible fix that's in 1999 because he wasn't a big hollywood director at the time Indeed. um i actually this is this is not necessarily a fix but it's an interesting point and i'm wondering if it's a knot that we can unravel because it might fix a problematic character mm-hmm. as we can all agree loveless is a problematic character um in a couple different ways and the thing is he's not one character from the original tv yes. show he is a gestalt of like three or four different characters from the original tv show the actual dr loveless in the tv show was a hispanic like little person mm-hmm. who was a mad scientist. There was also another character who was a former Confederate Southerner who was angry that they had lost the war and, and parts of their body. Yeah. And there was another character who was in a wheelchair who was not even that same character as oh. the Confederate guy. There was a different guy in a wheel in a, in a like robot wheelchair. I don't remember what, what character it was, but there's, there's several different characters that were mashed together into this character. And I'm wondering, could we pull that strand and make him into one of those characters. And would that maybe help? Um, I'm not I'm certainly not going to say no. We're here to, to add ideas, not not shoot them down. <laughs> but I, I feel my my biggest problem with with uh, uh, Loveless was that his his biggest the person he hated the thing he hated was that the South lost the Civil War. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's also clearly a genius artificer. And unless I, I maybe missed something, but I don't believe I did because this movie was full of just left out details, uh, I would have just had him have a past relationship with Artemis Gordon. They're, they're rival artificers. 
they're they're you know they're both geniuses of mechanical marvels and have them go toe to toe earlier in the film or establish that there is a long built rivalry because um, they both are you know just full of wacky contraptions. That's interesting actually because there's a pre existing relationship between Loveless and West. Yeah. Because of the racism and yeah. the massacre. Uh, but there's not really with Artemis. He doesn't have his personal stake in the plot. And it's built right there. They both are the same, the good guy and bad guy version of the same character. Yeah, they're two sides of the same coin. Yes. So that would be my one big fix. Was, was Yeah, it might be a little bit more fun to have um, Loveless be more of like, seeming, like seemingly a secondary villain at first. Like, he, he's working for... For General Bud, Bloodbath McGrath? Yeah. And that as as the movie progresses, it you know, he it becomes clearer and clearer that, that Loveless is the true psychopath. That, that actually is interesting plot trajectory, too. If Bloodbath McGrath is the guy who everybody's like, that, that's the guy. He's trying to restart the Civil War and bring down the United States and bring back the Confederacy. And he's got a mad scientist working for him. Who's built these tanks that no army can stand up against. And then, Oh, third act twist. Loveless is actually crazier than McGrath and is the real bad guy and kills yeah. McGrath. And is just like, now this is my show. It's loveless. And time. he can kind of like, he can, he can maybe kill all of McGrath as McGrath men too. So now he, and, but he's, he's sort of like a standing army of just like, me and my presumably robots, you know, that he's built over a long period of time or whatever, secretly built. My thinking is that he has an army of tanks, of robot tanks, and that's the big threat. And he's controlling them from his super tank, which is a giant mechanical spider. Mm -hmm. So you still have your, your third act climax on the spider and they need to get to the spider because it controls the rest of the tanks. Yeah. And that's the only way they can destroy them. Because they would have to be destroyed. Can't let that technology fall into anybody's hands. It's too dangerous in that time period. Can we get rid of the, the mechanical city, even though I thought that idea was cool, and, and, and have the existential threat be the march on, uh, like a march on Washington with yeah. the spider and the, I'm and down the with tanks? That. Yeah. Like McGrath's army is going to move on Washington and bring down the United States. And at first everyone's like, well, that doesn't seem very feasible. Oh, he's got robot tanks. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I like that trajectory for him. Like he's at first, he just seems secondary. And then, and then suddenly he's just like a power hungry madman who wants to w- rule the world. And he's taking his mechanical spider upon Washington. I like that. I like him just trying to take over the United States more than him trying to carve it up. Mm-hmm. With, yeah. with financial backers. I think it's fine if it's a little more streamlined and it's yeah. just McGrath has hired a mad scientist and that mad scientist is actually using McGrath to take power. Yeah. Yeah, and, and to that end of, of mad scientists, I, especially if we're going to slaughter all of McGrath's guys, the thing is, is uh, Loveless has an army of guys. They're all the scientists he captured that we never see. We never see working. Yeah, we never get them their names <laughs> other than one of them. Uh, and so, just any point where you know they're uh, uh, they're building the Death Star, you know what I mean? Like yeah. where you see the kidnapped scientists. Like, uh, uh, yeah, at least that gives us an opportunity to meet um, Selma Hayek's husband, who were who is not going to be played as her grandfather or father at first. <laughs> you know what would have been great? Is if the audience knew she was married to this man and she lies to West and Gordon. Oh, to keep them to off, keep of, her. off of her. Yes. So the whole movie, yes. like, those two idiots think one of them's going to get the girl and she's married to the guy they're going to rescue. Like a nice dramatic irony. Mm-hmm. That might work. On that note, Selma Hayek she needs more to do in this movie. She yeah. needs to have more agency and she needs to move the plot somewhat. Yeah. Um, how? <laughs> oh, I feel like she has so little to do. We could just come up with a list and any of them would be good. Cause I'm thinking maybe she was one of Loveless's uh, hench ladies who realized he's a, a deranged lunatic. Maybe she was working with her father slash husband before he got taken uh, maybe she is also a agent of disguise. Like, like pick one, and it's more than she got. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, perhaps the the whole opening sequence in which um, Will Smith and Kevin Klein uh, foil each other's uh, lawmaking, yeah. <laughs> or, or they like perhaps the you know they actually get on the outs with the president because they they can they've maybe this isn't the first time that they've uh, run afoul of each other, and the president is so upset with them that he that he sort of demotes them or, or whatever and it's at this point that Salma Hayek appears who can't get an audience with the president but desperately needs help from people who can you know have the abilities to do so so she enlists Will Smith and and Kevin Klein uh, to try and save her uh, husband slash father I I do like the cold open a little bit where they foil each other, though, because I like the idea that they're both working different cases that turn out to be the same case. Yeah. And that gives them both a different in because the way it's very clumsily set up in the movie is that Jim is looking for McGrath and uh, Artemis is looking for the missing scientists. Mm. And then it turns out that those two things are intersecting because McGrath's been kidnapping the scientists. Yeah. And so I think that that's still a way to get them together and working on the same case. It just needs to be handled better. But then having them, having them get maybe, maybe kicked off the case by the president and then Selma Hayek's like, I need help. My husband is one of the missing scientists. And they're like, go on because it's an opportunity for them to continue working the case. It's a new lead and maybe get back in president Grant's good graces. That maybe works. I think that maybe works. I think that Artemis needs to successfully impersonate the president in the third act. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Like President Grant legit gets kidnapped by McGrath before McGrath gets betrayed. And then Artemis, to get close to Loveless and see what he's doing, impersonates the president and swaps out for him. And Loveless is completely fooled. Yeah. Like 100%. I think that pays off Gordon's master of disguise bit too. Better, yeah, yeah. I had an I had a note here for the whole master disguise. I think I think you're right. I like I like that a lot. Um, I honestly also just would have loved to see them play with this because the only disguise that Artemis uh, Artemis Gordon ever wears, other than as uh, the president in the one scene early on, and then later, uh, you know, he's only ever the president or women. That's not true. He played a French Canadian. At the party. Oh, you're right. You're right. Jeez, okay, sorry. I forgot about <laughs> he, Selma He was Hayek's the French Canadian then, who went, hang him. Right, right, right. I forgot about it. Well, I guess that was sort of, but regardless, I was just trying to tie my note into yours and, and, and forgot. But my, my note stands, I would have loved this game of disguises to maybe not rely so heavily on men dressing as women because it's such a, such a hat. Like, it's, it's problematic in 2020 and it's hack in 20 in 1999 that's fair you know what i mean it's it's already been so when will smith comes in as a as a sexy lady and he and loveless is doing his big villain spiel to global financers and then breaks for a belly dance and then just stops the whole proceedings of his ted talk for a belly dance (laughs) i'm like what if will smith came in like had learned from artemis throughout the whole movie and comes in as anything but a woman in a dress like, yes, yeah, so comes in as the president. Then there's a f- weird, like, you know, oh, it's a black president, j- you know, joke, I guess. I don't know <laughs> where I'm going with it. But, like, just, I, I wish the game played, the game of he's a master of disguise played more. Uh, I wish the game of he's a master of disguise played more with clever disguises that preyed on people's assumptions. Yeah. Uh, with so much built-in conflict in the world, the North versus the South, black versus white. Like, there's so many other ways you can play with the, the disguise thing instead of it just being like, a well, man in a woman's dress. And this is, bear with me. Yeah. Take my hand. I'm going to walk you to Mordor and back to the Shire. Early in the movie, Jim, ha- like, his hackles get put up because Artemis kind of suggests maybe you could dress as my manservant for this party in the South with a bunch of former slaveholders. And Jim is rightly outraged and is like, hell no, no. Maybe later on when he trusts the disguises more and realizes he's playing on someone's prejudice, he does disguise himself as one of the faceless servants, which gets him in. Yeah. Like, 
maybe maybe that's something to look at. I don't know. I don't know. Then you can use the built-in racism of the time as a meaningful narrative and the and the built-in racism of the villain to slip in unnoticed amongst the help because he's not paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that can work. That's and and it pays off that moment earlier on where he's like, "There is under no circumstances am I dressing like a slave." And then later on, he's like, "The world is at stake. These are the circumstances where I'm going to dress as a slave." Yeah. Um, that's I'm I'm just putting that out there. Yeah. I'm I realize I am a white guy no. <laughs> suggesting it, yeah. and and it is a fraught racial plot. Yeah. But I'm just I'm floating it. I'm yeah. floating it out to sea and seeing if it holds water. I feel like uh, I should um, point out that we're talking a lot about uh, disguises and not a lot about the coolest part of the movie, which is sort of its steampunkiness and the mm-hmm. inventions. And, they, and I feel like um, finding ways to maybe not uh, introduce more disguises into the into the plot, but maybe more inventions and and doohickeys I think would be more I satisfactory. That's fair. I think one of the problems is that Artemis in the movie as it is presented is a more competent disguise person and the disguises are funnier generally than any of his gadgets. Yeah. Which are all really poorly Yeah, I think if in the movie that we're concocting here because we're we're talking about having Artemis versus evil Artemis basically. So it really it feels like it should be that's a good. war of invent- yeah. inventions rather than a war of disguises I, like I would almost yeah. i would almost suggest go as far as to say like you punt too. all of the disguises uh I mean, I'm, I'm down with that so long as we keep the general or the uh the president grant disguise sure yeah sure <laughs> um and actually well i my i have one very specific fix because i think we all agree the most egregious scene in this movie is the lynching scene mm-hmm. my and my fix for that is he still mistakes the woman at the party for gordon he still maybe even does something inappropriate, but that's not the takeaway. But he says something to Gordon, dressed as a, and thinking it's, or he says something to the woman that he thinks is Gordon, and that woman is not Gordon, but one of Lovelace's many established henchwomen, who he only employs women to be his henchwomen. And maybe that's even where we learn that he only employs women to be his henchwomen. And he says some, like, egregious classified information to directly to one of Lovelace's henchwomen, and then she goes and reports it, and that's how he almost gets hanged. Like, okay, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. Hmm. I still rather him not be put anywhere near noose. No, sure, I guess, uh, <laughs> but he gets just his life is he jeopardizes that scene. Yeah, mission. yeah. I mean, yeah, he know. can get he can be in jeopardy in some other way. Yeah. Just some, in, a, in a yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, maybe just, just don't no, like just no hanging. Yeah, maybe just no, no hanging. <laughs> <laughs> no hanging. I feel like I feel like we're we still haven't resolved exactly what Selma Hayek is doing in the movie, and I feel like that's part of the linchpin here because she's married to one of the scientists, and so I feel like she can play into the science plot somehow. And you're talking about bringing in more gadgets. Yeah, maybe- but she's she's sorry. She's not married to the to one of the scientists. The scientist is her father, but she's telling she's telling Will Smith and and Kevin Klein that she is married to him to keep them away from her. Right? Is that what that was sort yeah. of what we no. decided? No, it was it was that she's no, it was that she's it's a, the, everything stays where she's like you have to help me save my father. Uh, and then we all know it's actually not her father; it's her it's her husband. So we get the fun dramatic irony of like neither of these guys are going to get the girl at the end. I thought was that's what we were going. Yeah, that's okay. I like it the reverse way that she she lies to them saying that she's married when she isn't because she doesn't want them. She wants them to take her her seriously about about that's, saving yeah. or about the plot rather than rather than them coming on to her all the time. Mm-hmm. So she just lies to them, and then in the end. It's a, it's more of a joke. They're like, well, like, I'm sorry. I'm not actually married. This is my father. I just, you know, I'm not interested in you. <laughs> um, what if... Because then you can have that whole thing where they're like, they're kind of, um, you know, you can do that sort of like that love triangle comedy, standard comedy bit, but the audience understands that like they're doing it, they're doing it 
it's a futile effort, mm-hmm. you know. So maybe there's some fun yeah. comedy in that. I don't know. What if she has a profession or skills to bring to the table? Yeah, that was this was something that I had been contemplating, and then I I dropped it because there was no place for it. But uh, it was with a different character. But maybe it works here. What if she's what if she's lying about why she's looking for the scientist altogether? She's not looking for her father. She's searching for the missing scientists as well. And she's looking for the missing scientists because she's a Pinkerton detective. We're going to have to explain to me what that means. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> do neither of you know what a Pinkerton is? Can't say that I do. Okay. So back in the Old West, you had your U.S. Marshals who were federal agents. Mm-hmm. And you had the Pinkerton Detective Company who were essentially the early... The early FBI would be the okay. best way to put it. Um, they were they were investigators. They were famously union busters as well. So let's not pretend that they're totally heroic. Yeah. Um, but they were they were the the precursor to essentially a, a proper investigative bureau, okay. and they did work for the U.S. government, and they were a known factor in that time period. So why not? make her a Pinkerton nice who's like she's lying to them at first because Pinkertons don't have a great reputation and because they're like contractors as opposed to actual federal agents but she's working the same case as they are and she uses the lie of I'm looking for my father to get her way into the case because she's working the same case and then she has detective skills she can bring to yeah. the table to assist with Artemis's artifice and disguise and will and Jim West's shooting guns and kicking in doors. She has like some actual investigative skills that like she can that help lot. bring to the table. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, in, I did and that. in fact, maybe then we can even lose having Gordon be an agent of any kind. Like he's not a, he doesn't work for the the, the feds he, yet. They yet. can all get deputized at the exactly. end. Exactly. Yeah. He is maybe a scientist who has a history with Loveless was somehow related to this project early on is his own marvelous mechanical man who gets brought in for those skills instead of being... I'm kind of down with that, yeah. actually. And I like the idea that maybe maybe one of he's brought into it because one of his mentors or something was captured. Yeah. And then once it's once he's clued in that Loveless is working for McGrath, he's like, oh, Loveless, like, I have bad blood with that guy. Yeah. And Jim West is like, McGrath, I have bad blood with that guy. And Selma Hayek's like... I'm just, I'm looking for the missing scientists. All three of them have a different motivation. All three of them are on board on the case. And then twist, Loveless is the real villain. Yeah. And also is the real guy that Jim West is after because why not? Yeah. Yeah. I think think that, that fixes the characters fairly well. And then, I mean, all of the, I mean, every other fix we'd have to go, we have to go scene by scene and be like, can you establish where this item came from? Can you establish where this item went after we saw it yeah. in Act One and never again? Um, in so, broad yeah. strokes, I think we've, I think we've done a pretty good fix here. Yeah. And, and I like the idea that McGrath's plan is a little more simple. He's set up as the main villain, and then he's hijacked by Loveless, whose plan is also very simple. I just want to rule the world with my robot tanks. And my giant spider. Yeah. Sound. Sound. Sounds Dig very it. good. Um, of course, those were those were our thoughts. Our listeners had their own thoughts. Uh, again, please uh, reach out to us on social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I have some notes. If you would like to uh, have your notes read on uh, the show, we will uh, happily uh, let you, you know, chime in and share your thoughts, which we will do right now. Uh, Robin from Cinematological. Um uh, has a number of comments. Uh, good luck. Burn the negative. Make the the spirit make a spiritual successor to Blazing Saddles by attacking race head on. Embrace steampunk fully and make it an alternate history. Uh, and open the movie with magnetic neck traps, uh, forcing introduction of uh, leads to each other in the audience. I thought that would be kind of neat uh, idea. That's a neat idea to have them in the neck traps in the in the cold open, perhaps like you know. You know, we're like, we got ourselves into a big old mess again, eh? You know, that kind of thing. And and then, yeah, it's an open question of like, what are those things? Why are they in the desert? All that kind of stuff. And then we return oh, so to mean, them later. Uh, yeah, you uh, you start with them having been put in the elaborate death trap. And yeah. then you flash back to how they got to this point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Or even 
I'd even say, what if they start there because they're two agents working the same case, but they don't realize it. They realize they're working on the same case when they are both put into It's like, well, I'm a U.S. Marshal. Well, I'm a federal agent. I got trapped because I was looking at the Lansing Scientist. I got trapped because I was looking at this McGrath guy. Well, we both got these necks around our heads, so, you know, enemy of my enemies, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. have that be the, that's their meat cute. <laughs> is in prison uh, in, in neck prison except that we've now established that Artemis isn't a U.S. Marshal yet well yes and Jim West is still just a U.S. Army Captain yes none of them are U.S. Marshals in fact in our new version until they get deputized at the end not with the Secret Service history lesson yeah. the Secret Service was established to protect stagecoaches for the Treasury mm-hmm. and only later much later than President Grant started protecting the president because William McKinley was assassinated mm-hmm. by a man who walked up to him at a at a fair and shot him. <laughs> and then, then the Treasury went, what if we put some Secret Service agents on the president as yeah. well? <laughs> Interesting. I did not know that. Uh, Andrew Craig uh, says uh, his, uh, their biggest notes was, uh, the director, Barry Sonnenfeld, was way too goofy a choice for this. Yes, the original was sort of weird, but that's because it was the 60s. If they'd approached it more like uh, Western Mississippi... Oh, <laughs> Western, sorry. <laughs> Reading a little ahead of myself. I bungled your joke here, Andrew, and I like it a lot. If they'd approached it more like Western Mission Impossible or Bond, it would have been more in the spirit of the original. This was just completely awful through and through, aside from casting. Take that cast with more serious tone, and it would have been awesome. Yeah, we kind of established that beat for beat, it is a James Bond movie. Yeah. Um, it's not a very good James Bond movie, but it is a James Bond movie. In the same way beat for beat, it's a comedy. It's not a very good comedy. No. It's a comedy. Um, I, I will go back to my original point. Take Edgar Wright, give me a call. We will make a new Wild Wild West movie together. We, we'll get Kevin Klein back. It'll be fine. He'll be great. Maybe Will Smith. We might not be able to afford him anymore. Oh, well, we can just, we can, well, I think we could. I think we could afford him. Yeah. I would, I would legitimately, I would get the original cast back together and I would make a sequel that was just better. It would acknowledge the first movie happened, but like, just kind of like, that was a thing. Forget about it. We're here now. <laughs> and uh, Michael Gardner says, Kevin Smith made it trendy to like this film since his first Superman Lives retelling. Weirdly, like I said at the top, that when I think of the movie Wild Wild West, I'm actually just thinking of An Evening with Kevin Smith, Volume 1. <laughs> you're, you're really just thinking about a movie, a Superman movie that ever was. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I think um, I'm going to assume, uh, Michael Gardner, your, your uh, note here is to just make this movie Superman Lives. <laughs> I, a bold choice. Would that, if would that, that have one. been the Superman movie with Nicolas Cage in it? I think so, yeah. Oh, my God. I think it was, yeah. There's a really good documentary about the making of that, the quote unquote making of that movie. Yeah, there's a couple documentaries now that are movies about movies that didn't get made as movies. Yeah, like Jodorowsky's Dune and stuff like that. And yet this got made. (laughs) How? Start to finish with a uh, a chart-topping hip-hop hit. And we don't have Jodorowsky's Dune. I don't want to live in this world. <laughs> uh, well, those were our uh, listener comments. Again, if you would like to uh, uh, get in on the note, having follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, well, that was uh, that was it for the the Wild Wild West episode. I think we we fixed it pretty well uh, to, to the best of our ability. Yeah, as as much as can be done in twenty minutes. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> certainly a, a problematic film, and uh, yeah, we uh, I, it was. I'm glad. I'm glad we went back and watched this because I think, you, like you and I said, I remembered. I remembered not hating it this much. Yeah, like I don't recall if I saw it in theaters, but I definitely have seen it before. Mm-hmm. But it had been a long time, and when it was pitched, and we were like, "We're going to do Wild Wild West," I was like, "Super! Mm-hmm. That seems like a movie that's right in our wheelhouse. A movie that's kind of okay, but could use some punch up." And then we watched it, and I was like, "Oh no! Oh, this movie is much worse than I remember. <laughs> oh no!" Um, I know my my funny tidbits was from the supposed to be at the beginning, but apparently Will Smith's mom told him like you've done better. Uh, Ouch! <laughs> yeah. That was just a quote Ooh, I found insane. deep in IMDb. <laughs> oh, that hurts. Yeah, yeah. she wasn't wrong. Yeah. Uh, and so again, uh, please uh, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at I Have Some Notes. If you like the show, please consider a rate and a review on iTunes. It really does help us out. You can also find our episode on the CKUA Radio app. Download it from the Apple App Store. 
Uh, remember to check out all of our sibling podcasts on the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB Financial. We post new episodes every second week, so tune in two weeks from now for Freddy vs. Jason. Oh, boy. Yeah, we it, were... The uh, spooky Halloween movie! Yeah, spooky Halloween <laughs> All movie. All thanks to Flix X-Ray. And one that was inflicted upon us, yes. <laughs> uh, if you have not listened to our previous episode yet, which is possible, um, go give it a listen. Uh, we had made a bet with other local podcasts on who could do the best guessing... Rotten Tomato ratings for all the summer blockbusters this year. We did poorly, and uh, Flix X-Ray did much better. And the prize was uh, that the winner got to choose a movie that everyone else had to watch for their show and or for their audience and or for fun. And uh, so we get to watch Freddy vs. Jason. Hooray us. <laughs> Yay. Thanks, Tony. Appreciate it. <laughs> and thank you all for listening. Uh, I'm Liam Kreswick. I'm Greg Beaver. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. Keep watching the skies. In the wild, wild west. <laughs> <laughs>